The Productive Woman, Episode 313. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you for joining me. This week, we're going to be talking about preparing for emergencies. You'll find more information and links to some resources I found in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 313. This episode is brought to you by Woven. You know, time is the most valuable asset we have and one that cannot be replaced, but I think you may agree that the tools we have to manage our time don't always work the best for us. And it's so easy to feel out of control with your calendar. Often we need add-ins to our whatever calendar app we're using to have it do the things that we need it to do, to keep track of the things that we're trying to accomplish, the appointments, the commitments, those sorts of things. Well, Woven was created to build into your calendar all the things you need, syncing among your devices, scheduling with yourself and other people, even analytics all in one place so you can own your schedule and make time for what matters most to you. Woven is such a great tool. It allows you to sync all your Google and Microsoft calendar accounts in one place so you can see everything that's important to you. And it offers powerful scheduling tools that are built in for free with personalized scheduling links, published office hours, even group polls, which can really save you time when you're trying to schedule those meetings and group calls. Woven allows you to rapidly time block your week so that you can see what you're doing when and make sure that you're making time for the things that are most important to you. Woven is incredibly easy to get set up and and get started using, and they even offer tutorials to help you get the most out of it. So if you're struggling with your calendar and to manage all the appointments and commitments and things that you need to do, consider giving Woven a try. You can try it out today for free by going to woven.com slash podcast slash TPW. That's woven, W-O-V-E-N, woven.com slash podcast slash TPW to try Woven today for free. And I will have a link to that in the show notes in case you're driving or something and can't write that URL down. So give it a try and let me know what you think. Okay, so today, as I'm recording this, the Western United States is suffering from multiple forest fires, something that Australia experienced earlier this year. And at the same time, the Southern Gulf Coast was recently hit by a severe hurricane. Lots of other things happening up north. It's even snowing while it's still very warm down here in the south. All of this, of course, is happening during a pandemic that has changed the way we're operating from day to day in so many ways. At the beginning of the pandemic, you probably remember that there were shortages of all kinds of food and household supplies, and some of those are still hard to come by. 
All of this has driven home for me the need to think ahead and plan for emergency situations. And in researching this topic, I learned that September actually has been designated as National Preparedness Month. So I thought I would share with you a few things that I've learned, and I will link to several other resources in case this is something you want to dig deeper into. So what are we talking about? Emergency preparedness. What kind of emergencies am I thinking about as I was putting this episode together and actually kind of thinking about a plan for our own household? Well, any event that might make it difficult or impossible for a period of time to get food and other essential supplies. For purposes of this episode, I'm not really talking about a situation where you have to evacuate, but I am going to link in the show notes to some resources that give suggestions for preparing for an evacuation, things like having a go bag and and what to keep in it. What I want to talk about today is an emergency or other situation that requires you to shelter at home and or where you might not have access to food or other supplies, or perhaps you might not have money available to buy food and other essential supplies. Things like, you know, a lockdown that we experienced earlier this year, there is the possibility that another one could come depending on what happens with this pandemic. Uh, Things like weather events, a hurricane, a blizzard, a flood, a tornado that, you know, was something we have here in, uh, Texas from time to time, some other national emergency that we can't even imagine right now, but also things like a job loss where your income is reduced for a period of time or an illness, whether it's yours or someone you're caring for. These are all things that could happen that could make it difficult or even impossible to buy more foodstuffs and, and essential household supplies. And so as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking what, you know, what do we need to do to prepare for one of those kinds of events to happen? And, and so that our family is in a good shape to, you know, kind of shelter through the event and get through it with a minimum amount of misery. So preparing for an emergency or any of these things, again, job loss, illness, national emergency, weather event, any of those sorts of things. Why would we need to do that? What does it mean? If we can't get out to buy food or if we, you know, we can get there, but get to the stores, but the things we need are not there, which is what happened earlier this year. You know, having money doesn't help if the stores don't have the supplies you need. So emergency preparedness means, among other things, having enough food and other essentials on hand to sustain you for, you know, two to four weeks. There are people that take it further than that. And depending on where you live and the kinds of things that happen in the area where you live, you know, some people go so far as to have a three to six month stock of food and other essentials and even more. So you can start with the idea of having two to four weeks worth of food and other essentials for your household, whatever that is. So for Mike and me, it's the two of us. And right now our youngest son who just finished his master's degree is home while he's working on his job search. 
And so there are three of us here. If you're in a household with, you know, two adults or more and several children, then you're going to need different things and more things than we will need for our household. Preparing for an emergency, probably you should start with the basics. So we can talk about some other things to add on, but the United States Department of Homeland Security and FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, suggest the following for what they call a basic disaster supplies kit, which they recommend you store these things in airtight plastic bags in a couple of easy to carry duffels or totes. And this is true whether you're preparing for a shelter in place kind of thing or an evacuation. And so first off is water. The experts all recommend at least one gallon per person per day for at least three days for both drinking and sanitation. So in our household, that would be, you know, three gallons a day for three days. So we need to have at least nine gallons of water available for drinking, for cooking, for, you know, washing up and that sort of thing. Then the list from um, the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA includes food. They suggest at least a three-day supply of non-perishable food. So things out that don't have to be refrigerated or frozen because part of the, you know, having that basic disaster supplies kit involves recognizing that you, you may be in a situation where there's no power for a period of time. They recommend having a battery powered or hand crank radio, a flashlight, a first aid kit, extra batteries, a whistle to signal for help, a dust mask to help filter contaminated air. My friends up in the Pacific Northwest and all along the West Coast where these fires are raging, even in the areas that aren't on fire, the air is just thick with smoke. And so they're having to wear these masks to filter that air. The DHS and FEMA list includes plastic sheeting and duct tape, I guess, to cover, you know, if windows are broken, that sort of thing. Moist towelettes, garbage bags, and plastic ties for personal sanitation, a, a, a set of a wrench or a set of pliers for turning off utilities, a manual can opener for canned food, obviously. Uh, they suggest local maps, a cell phone with chargers and a backup battery. And those are just kind of the, that's like the basic emergency supply kit for that they're recommending for every household to have at least that basic thing. And they have offer a link for a recommended supplies list that you can download. And I will include that in the show notes. So if you want to get at least that basic kit put together. So that's the starting point. But going back to kind of what we were talking about, what, what I'm thinking in terms of is having enough food and other essentials to sustain you for at least two to four weeks. So once you've got that basic kit in place, you want to go then toward preparing kind of a longer term backup supply of food and essentials. Now, I, I do want to preface this with say, talking a minute about the difference between being prepared and hoarding. Preparedness is about having what you need to get through a crisis, one article that I read put this so well, this is an article called Emergency Preparedness Checklist, Prepping for Beginners. And this writer said, 
The whole point of prepping is to reduce the chances of major life disruptions and to better recover from disruptions when they do happen. So that's what we're talking about. Just trying to, to make sure you and those in your household are sustained through those major life disruptions when they happen. And the thing about preparedness is having a reasonable stockpile of food and other essentials puts you in a position to help not only your own family, but others around you. Whereas hoarding is another thing entirely. And we saw some of this unfortunately happen early on this year uh, when the pandemic first hit. Hoarding, you know, I think of that as not just getting the things you need to get you through the you know, whatever's happening, but emptying out the shelves of the grocery store of items that you expect to be in short supply and leaving none for others. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about having what you need, but not forgetting that there are other people in need as well. So if you are going to prepare, we're going to talk first of all about kind of the food and essentials kinds of things. If you wanted to set up what I see referred to on, you know, some websites as a prepper pantry or an extended pantry of food and supplies that will sustain you through a couple of weeks, what should you have in that extended pantry or that prepper pantry? Well, obviously things you can make meals out of, things that your family will eat and that you can actually make meals out of. So things like canned meats, canned fruits, vegetables, canned beans, like great northern beans, black beans, refried kidney beans, whatever type your family likes. Uh, you want to consider including canned and jarred sauces of various types like marinara, Alfredo, pizza sauce, whatever, and canned or cartons of broth, like chicken or beef or vegetable. These are things that you can use in, in recipes to make meals out of. You want to have a backstock of baking supplies, so flours, sugars, leavenings like yeast, baking soda, baking powder, also salt, the various seasonings, shortening, oils, things like that. Uh, you want to have a stock of condiments, so ketchup, mustards, soy sauce, salad dressings, peanut butter, any of those sorts of things that you can use to make meals that your family likes. Certainly bags or boxes of rices, pastas, um, powdered and canned milk and or soy milk. Of course, you need to think about any dietary restrictions in your household. So if you need gluten-free have a stock of those sorts of things. You can buy um, milk and I think soy milk and almond milk and different things like that in shelf stable cartons that don't have to be um, refrigerated. Now, obviously, for those of us who like milk, we prefer it cold out of the refrigerator, but it's a good idea to have a stock of this shelf stable cartons so that you've got it available in a situation where you can't go buy fresh milk or, you know, the power is out and the refrigerator's not working. Of course, water. We've already talked about that. As I said before, the experts all recommend at least one gallon per person per day. And so, you know, you can do the math to figure out if you want two weeks worth or a month's worth or, you know, whatever it is that you want, having jugs of water available is 
incredibly important. We all know that human beings can go for a lot longer without food than they can without water. The idea is to think about the things that you use regularly in the meals that you and your family enjoy, things that will sustain you, that will be nutritious, will keep you going, and just simply get a stock of those into your extended pantry to hold you through a difficult time. There are lots of resources with suggested lists. One article that I thought was really helpful, um, the Good Housekeeping People put out an article called Eight Disaster Preparedness Tips You Need to Know in Case of Emergency. Pretty straightforward title. And they had actually a shopping list, a food shopping list. I'll put this in the show notes so you can refer to it along with a link to the article it came from. But they recommend things like canned tuna or salmon, canned black beans, olives, mixed nuts, uh, dry roasted chickpeas, uh, whole grain instant rice, boxed grains like quinoa, buckwheat, or sorghum, dry pasta, olive oil or canola oil, low salt veggie broth, canned tomatoes, canned vegetables, and other healthy canned foods, garlic powder, onion powder, chili seasoning, salt and pepper, soy sauce, tomato sauce, ketchup and mustard. So those are, you know, the the kind of basic things, but put a list together of those sorts of things that you would like to have in your extended pantry. We're going to talk in a minute about where you might put this stuff because we don't all have, you know, a lot of extra space in our kitchen for an extended pantry or for this stock of emergency foods. In addition to the things you have in your pantry, you know, most of of what you have for your extended pantry needs to be shelf stable in case there's a power outage, but consider your freezer as well. So, you know, have some things in your freezer, meats that your family enjoys, prepared meals that you can just heat up, assuming you, if, you know, you have electricity, breads and, and even bread doughs, butter and margarine, any of those sorts of things, um, to have an extra stock of that, you know, that, that, of course, that's not going to help you as much if the power is out and your freezer isn't going to hold. But for, you know, a pandemic lockdown, these are the sorts of things that are helpful to have on hand and that we were running short of. The stores didn't have for periods of time. So think about those things. In addition to the food items that we want to keep uh, a stock of for emergencies, there are non-food items. So cleaning supplies for your home, disinfectant type things. So bleach, um, disinfecting wipes, those sorts of things. Again, these are things that were not available for a period of time when the pandemic first hit. And I'm still having trouble where I live finding disinfecting wipes. And so when you find them, you know, buy a couple extra, have some of those in reserve for emergencies, laundry supplies, toiletries like shampoo, soap, toothpaste, and feminine products, first aid supplies, and medications. Those are just a few of the things that are important to think about to have in your extended pantry and your emergency stock of supplies. So let's talk just a minute about proper storage for food. Obviously, if you're going to stock up on things and have two to four weeks or more worth of foodstuffs in reserve for emergencies, you want to have it stored properly so that it doesn't go to waste. That means it needs to be in airtight containers. So things like flour, 
stuff like that need to be moved from the paper bags, which pests can get into, into airtight containers where they're going to be safe from moisture, from insects, from pests of various kinds. I personally like the OXO brand of those pop-top food containers, and I'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes to what I'm talking about. But you can find good airtight storage options at lots of places, including Walmart, uh, Amazon has them, even bargain stores like Dollar Tree. So check those out, and they come in lots of different sizes to transfer foods in to keep them safe, again, from moisture, from insects so that your investment doesn't go to waste. You might also consider a vacuum sealer, a device that will vacuum seal things in, you know, heavy, durable plastic wrap. I have not tried doing this, but I'm considering getting one. Jordan Page from Fun, Cheap, or Free recommends a particular one that she uses on Amazon, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes in case that's something uh, you're interested in getting. It would be really good for, you know, your extra stock of meats and things like that, and even breads to keep them from freezer burn. The space where you store food should be temperature controlled. You want to protect it from sunlight and from extreme temperatures. So you want it somewhere that's kind of dark and cool. And again, consider putting any bagged items in a plastic tote to keep it safe from mice and, and so on. Particularly if you're storing your extra stock in somewhere like a, an unfinished basement or something like that. So if you buy, you know, big bags of pasta, for instance, or bags of rice, consider putting them into one of those big plastic totes that has a lid on it so pests can't get at it. So where are you going to put all this food, <laughs> you know, the food and the supplies that you get. There are lots of places uh, to think about. And, and the more you have of this, uh, particularly if you have a large family, the, you know, the more of a challenge it is to figure out where to store all this stuff. For most of us, you're going to have kind of what a lot of people refer to as a working pantry, which is the food you're currently using versus longer term storage. So, you know, wherever you currently keep your food in your kitchen, if you're fortunate as I am to have a, a pantry closet type of thing. Mine's not huge, but it's, it's roomy enough that I can store quite a bit of food in there. Then that's great. Or cupboards in your kitchen for your working pantry, the food that you're currently using. If your pantry is big enough or your kitchen is big enough, you may have space within that to store more of your longer term food storage. But if not, you got to get creative and start looking for other places. Do you have a basement? Most of us in Texas don't have that. Our uh, hard clay soil is not conducive to uh, building basements. But, you know, a lot of homes have them. And so consider whether you can put in some shelves to store your extra stock of food. What about the garage, if the, if the temperatures will permit it? Some shelving in one area or some cabinets in one area. An attic, maybe you have an extra closet in a guest room or some, you know, a, a room that's not used as much. Even under bed storage, you can buy those kind of low flat plastic totes and put some of your extra canned goods or bagged goods in those under beds in your homes. Look around, see what you've got in your home to, uh, to store the extra stock of food that you're getting. We have, for instance, 
very high ceilings in our master bedroom closet. And there's a shelf way high up that really isn't accessible for, you know, for any daily use kinds of things. So I'm using that shelf to store our extra stock of, of, you know, facial tissue, Kleenex type things and toilet paper. And so maybe you have a space like that, a shelf that's up high. It's not, not convenient for, uh, things that you use regularly, but it'd be a perfect place to store some of those things that are your emergency stock. I wanted to just touch briefly on, uh, how to do this, how to develop that stock of two to four weeks worth of food and essentials for your family when you're on a budget. Most of us cannot afford to just go out and buy four weeks worth of extra food beyond what we're eating right now. What I'm talking about, you know, is not just the food that we're going to eat this week or this month, but the extra food that we're going to have as kind of our backstop against an emergency. Most of us can't just go out and load up that extra food all at once and then, you know, put it in containers and stash it away. So we need to be strategic about doing this uh, so that we don't break our budget. And so the first step would be to take inventory of what you have now. What food do you have that you're using regularly? What do you have extras of? What do you need in order to develop that extended pantry and those supplies that will sustain you through an emergency? And then the answer to, you know, doing it on a budget is to just do it a little bit at a time. Buy a few things each time you shop, especially keep an eye out for sales. And when you see something that you would use regularly that's on sale, buy a few extras and stash them away. Jordan Page, who I mentioned earlier, she she's uh, runs a site called Fun Cheap or Free. She's kind of known as a, you know, budget friendly um, guru. She's got a great YouTube channel and she's done some, uh, actually some YouTube videos recently on this, which I will link to. She recommends whenever you go shopping, uh, you buy one for now and two for later. So say you need tomato paste, you buy a can for now and buy two more cans for later on. Again, watch for those sales uh, and buy a few extras of what those are. And the important thing is to not waste your money. So don't buy things you and your family won't eat. No matter whose list you're looking at, if there's food on it that they're recommending that you know your family won't eat, then don't buy it. Uh, you know, if we're hungry enough, I suppose we'd eat anything. But, you know, I, I saw one list where she was, you know, recommending, uh, buy a case of fruit cocktail. Well, my family won't eat fruit cocktail and I'm not going to buy fruit cocktail. It would just be a waste. It would be like the last thing that ever got eaten. So don't buy things that you and your family won't eat. Second, pay attention to shelf life and rotate things through your pantry. Make sure as you're building your stock, you eat things before they expire and then replace them. And you move the older stock to the front of the shelf, put the new stuff in the back and use things before they go bad. Because the last thing you want to do is to invest this money in putting the stock together, have the emergency occur and discover, you know, the food has passed its useful life and you can't really eat it. For recipe ideas on using your pantry supplies, you know, if you got to 
get creative and use, you can't get the fresh foods that you normally would need. Uh, the emergency has occurred. You lost a job and you need to eat up what's in the house or whatever the, the situation is. It's a good idea for all of us, I think, to practice cooking out of our pantry instead of just, oh, I want this, so I'm going to run to the store and pick up the ingredients. Get in the habit, develop the skill of looking at what's in the pantry and saying, what meals can I make out of what I have here? To get ideas for that, you can visit a website called shelfcooking.com. And she offers tons of recipes and ideas for cooking out of our pantry and, you know, using what we have. And finally, to avoid wasting money, keep track of what you have and where it is. That's especially important if you have to distribute your stock into various locations around the house. So if you're blessed with a huge pantry and you can have everything right there, then that's a little easier because you can see it all. But if you have, you know, some of your stuff stored under a bed and some in the attic and some in a shelf in the guest room closet, it's easy to forget that you've got it there and, and not use it before it goes bad. So keep track of what you have, where you've put it, whether that's on a clipboard that you hang inside a cupboard or in your household binder or on a spreadsheet or wherever that you can get at it. And remember to check that when you are planning meals and, and when you're shopping so that you remember what you have and where it is. So those are a lot of thoughts on food, your, you know, your extended pantry, your emergency rations, so to speak. There are some other things that we can do to prepare for emergencies. And I wanted to touch on some of those other types of preparation that we could all consider things that we can do to make sure our family, our household is in a good place if an emergency or a crisis occurs. Again, sometimes the power is going to go out if it's a weather situation, a blizzard is hit or a, a hurricane has come through. So if you're in a, an area where that sort of thing happens, consider investing in a generator and the fuel for it that could run, you know, maybe not your whole house, but that it could at least keep some lights on and uh, make it possible for you to cook some food and, and that sort of thing. Having flashlights and maybe propane powered lanterns and extra batteries around is really important. Maybe a propane powered cooktop, something that you can have, something you might use for camping if you were that sort of, you know, if you like doing that sort of thing. If you live in an area where natural disasters occur that put the power out periodically, having something like that on hand could be, you know, really important uh, so that you if the power is out for an extended period of time, you can still prepare hot meals. In its blog post called Three Ways to Be Prepared for an Emergency, the United Way suggests the following, particularly with respect to an impending natural disaster. And so they suggest make a communications plan. Uh, this is particularly if there's some disaster occurring and maybe you have to leave your home. Have a plan in place, know where you're going to meet your family or friends and how you're going to communicate, create a list of emergency contacts, uh, select a person who doesn't live near you for family members to check in with. So if you've got a friend in another part of the country that everybody knows, Hey, if, 
if something hits in our neighborhood or our area of the country, you can call so-and-so. I will communicate with her and let her know how we're doing. Be prepared to evacuate your home, the United Way says. Practice escape routes. Um, you know, where are you going to go? How are you going to travel? Do you have cash on hand? Because if it's really bad, maybe ATMs are not going to work. Do you have your vital documents gathered together? I think of our recent conversation with Lisa Woodruff in episode 308, where she talked about her very portable binder system for important papers. Those of us who live in parts of the country where natural disasters sometimes necessitate evacuation I think this is such an important tool to have in place because you can grab that binder on your way out the door and have what you need there. Uh, the United Way article suggests or blog post suggests make sure you have your vehicle ready. Keep a full tank of gas, particularly if an evacuation seems likely, uh, and create an emergency supply kit. The things we've talked about before, they recommend having an emergency kit at home, at work, and in your car. And consider special needs. They suggest knowing your um, your child's school or daycare emergency plan, who the contact people are, etc. So those are some of the things that we can do to prepare for an emergency. You know, it's not about panicking. It's not about being a worry wart. Although, you know, I can easily be one and maybe you too. But in order to avoid that sense of panic and that desperation, spending a little time thinking ahead, investing time and money to help ensure that if difficult circumstances arise, you and those you care about will be ready. And you might even be in a position to help others around you. That's what I think this is all about is what I've been thinking about with all the things that have been going on in the world. This is something I want to do for our household. And I thought I'd, it would be worth sharing with you. As I mentioned, there are a ton of resources that offer good ideas and lists and all that sort of thing. If this is something you want to dig into deeper, check out the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 313. And I will have links to some articles, to some lists, and some really good uh, YouTube videos about preparing your extended pantry. And, uh, let me know what you think. I, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. Do you have an emergency preparedness plan? What have I left out that you'd recommend we consider as part of our plan? I would really appreciate hearing from you. You can share your suggestions or your questions about this in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which again, you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 313. Uh, you can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there. And if you're not a member there, but you're a woman who listens to this podcast, I hope you'll consider joining us there. Uh, it's a great community where, where we can support and encourage each other, ask questions, give it ideas, brainstorm solutions. And any woman who listens to this podcast is welcome there. You can just go to theproductivewoman.com slash group, I think it is. And click on the button to uh, request to be added. Please answer the questions there, particularly if your Facebook profile is set to private. So I can't 
see who you are. I can't verify that you're, you know, a real actual woman who listens to the show. Answer, there's just uh, three or four little questions there, a little thing about what are our, our very simple rules about the group to keep it a, a safe and affirming place. And I would love to have you there. And we can continue this conversation there. Uh, before we go, just a quick thanks to our sponsor, Woven. Remember, if you'd like to make better use of your calendar, check out Woven. You can try it today for free by going to woven.com slash podcast slash TPW to try it out for free. And thank you to Woven for supporting The Productive Woman. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worth the time you invested. I look forward to hearing from you, and I certainly look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself, and go make your life matter. 